Hello and welcome to this week's Halloween-themed episode of Movie Magpies. This week we'll be talking about the one and only Beetlejuice. As always, I'm your Crypt Keeper, Will, and with me as always is a creature from some lagoon, Monique. Now, without any further ado, let's just get straight into it. So, Monique, what is the summary for Beetlejuice for those who don't know what this film is? It came out in 1988, so ultimately, if you haven't seen it, you may not necessarily know what it is. The summary on Netflix for this movie is a young couple who drowned return to their house as ghosts, but must enlist the help of a goofy ghost to put a scare in the rude new owners, which... Honestly, I feel is a bit inaccurate. Like, it's semi-accurate, but it's yeah. very much not the heart of the film. It gets to the point, I think, but really, there, yeah, there is a lot more involved in it, but yeah. I wouldn't call Beetlegoose a fucking goofy ghost. He's not, well, yeah, he's definitely not goofy. I think he was definitely goofy by... 80s standards. Now he's just a little, uh, a little uncomfy. <laughs> yeah, he's a bit, he's a, yeah, one of the biggest things about him is that he's a bit pesty, for sure. He's a bit of a pest. He is definitely a beetle of some kind. <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely. So I really wanted to start off this review just by saying I think you and I both really genuinely enjoyed Beetlejuice. It has always been one of, if not my favourite Halloween film. Oh really? I didn't, I didn't realise that. I love Beetlejuice as a Halloween mm. film. It's so zany. It's got a little bit of fright to it without being too, too much. So, like, when we used to watch it when I was a kid, I'm sorry, I feel like I'm being very loud. When I used to watch it as a kid, it was, like, incredibly fun. But it was also, like I said, there were a couple little jump scares in there that when you're a child were a lot spookier, especially. Yeah. When you were younger, obviously, the CGI wasn't as old. I just, I just really love it. <laughs> Yeah, so it definitely had that this nostalgic value for you. Then. It did, yeah. It's one mm. of those ones that every October I watch it at least once. Ah, oh, that's nice. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, all in all, this film really does hold up well and is still super enjoyable. And I think it's because like one of the main foundations of this film is that it just it doesn't take itself too seriously. It's mostly built around making of jo making the jokes and having fun, and as a result, this film still manages to be quite funny all the way throughout. I think the only, like, humour that I definitely noticed, and this is definitely a warning if you haven't watched it, there are some jokes about suicide that don't necessarily age very well. Yeah, there are a few uncomfortable off-colour jokes in this that yeah. definitely wouldn't fly these days. Yes, yeah, absolutely. the suicide humour, and also just the entire scene where Beetlejuice is trying to marry Lydia. Yeah, is a marry a little uncomfy. <laughs> yeah, it is quite odd for sure. Definitely in especially in a comedy, but like it still is very heavily overshadowed by the genuinely good humour in this film and I think one of the things that I realized or recognized is that in this film it it makes jokes about generalizable facts of life that those being death and the humor is built around the the undeniable truth that we're all going to die someday and then people do die and there is still humor to be drawn from it good examples of that are the really practical depictions of death like the basically basically a council worker who died by being like run over and he's just this flat guy who's hung up on like a dolly system yeah on a dolly Almost. system and he kind of like wheels from place to place and it's quite funny to to watch because 
there's just so much of this humor when nothing is taking itself too seriously and sure it's it's dark in parts but it still has this dry humor that really works for it yeah and even i think there's the caseworker and yeah. she smokes and I really like this part of the CGI where you can see the smoke coming out of her neck. Um, yeah. Because that's how she died. And it's it's just, obviously, this movie has... It's about death. A lot yeah. of the films include deaths and ways that you can die. If that makes you uncomfortable, it's yeah. probably not the best film to watch. But yeah. the way that they do it is very humorous. It never feels gory or uncomfortable. Yeah. They really except make for those more it. badly aged jokes. Yeah, and I think the best depiction or best understanding that we get about how the presence of death in this film is made light of is just straight up early on from the film where our two protagonists die very early on, so spoilers, but yeah. not really because it happens, what, ten minutes in? It's in the summary. Yeah, it, well, yeah, it's literally in the summary, but they die in a way that's not macabre or sad in any way it's funny but also quick and not even shocking but like very sudden and it then, is very sudden yeah and then we're just left to continue on with the rest of the film with them as it, ghosts and it's it is not even confirmed fun. for us that they're dead for mm. about a scene or so after yeah. their car hits the water we see them walking back home completely drenched and they get back home and as they're sort of wandering around the house, they suddenly realize, you know, they have no reflection. Their yeah. cousin, sister, I don't know what relationship she has to them. A family member is in her car, all dressed in black, like she's mourning. And they're like, what the hell is happening? What's going yeah. on? Why can't anybody see us? And it's as we as the viewers have realized that they're dead pretty early on because this is a Halloween film and it is in the summary. But yeah. it's a really interesting way to take that where... It doesn't just, oh, look, they know they're dead. They're like, they get home, they're cold. Yeah, you get a little bit of the mystery of them figuring out that they are dead. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, enough to make it feel realistic, with still with the rapid and exceptional pacing of this film that allows us to move on to the more meat of this film without feeling like we've left anything out. And I think that's really great. I wanted to move on more to something a little more specific, less broad about the story and more about the characters, because I think the characters actually, the film lends a lot of depth to everyone, not just the main characters. I think in the waiting room, in the world beyond, each of the characters are given just enough to give them a great deal of insight or world building into their character that you can actually pick apart and piece together maybe who they were in their life and how they died. And yeah, I think exactly. that's really, really nice. It's almost, I guess, obviously it's a movie and they thought everything out, but to me it almost feels like accidental storytelling in the way that they were making all of these background characters and they had to give all of these background characters a unique way that they died, but in giving them a unique way that they died, they simultaneously gave them at least a little bit of personality. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that's super good because it seems accidental but then is so much better because you also know that it's not yeah, especially. Yeah. You sort of, oh, look, got all the zany background characters. And then on second or third watch, you're like, oh, hang on. They actually all have their own little personalities, and the yeah. reasons that they died correspond really well to that. I mm. think my favorite part of this is the football team. Yeah, they are good. <laughs> Just coach, coach, 
Not you fucking coach. Go away. Coach, coach I, I think we, we died. Yeah. yeah. Oh gosh, so funny and just yeah. very like there's so much personality and they're only on screen mm. for what maybe five minutes. Yeah, a few, well, a few instances that probably totaled to about five minutes. Yeah. Yeah, and it's so, it's so good. Genuinely, I think the characters that are depicted in the waiting room of the afterlife are really really fun to look at and figure out and of course i think everyone knows as a point of pop culture just the shrunken head hunter man who's in the waiting room everybody knows that image quite well and i think that's also just a really perfect example that certain aspects of this film multiple certain aspects of this film became iconic and i find that really really great but now going from side characters to main characters how did you feel about the two main characters, the married couple, Barbara and Adam Maitland. They are very much a pair. Yeah. Uh, you never see them without the other in mm. the movie at all. They're always together at least a little bit. Like, if they're separated, it's only for a very short period of time. And as as such, because they died together and they do everything in the movie together, they feel like a well-oiled unit almost, where yeah. they're very in sync and they're very attuned to each other which makes them like a really cute couple they're very very sweet and i enjoy their vibe as clueless ghosts who were just almost newlyweds is the vibe that i get off them a little bit yeah i think that was definitely the thought the takeaway that i got from this is that barbara and adam are really like on screen they really work well as a married couple and of course that's probably to be chalked up to gina davis and alec baldwin being just having really good chemistry with each other on on screen and as a result, they come across as believably married and believably positively married as well in a way that they definitely get each other and on screen you really believe that they are a married couple and of course, yeah, definitely a newly married couple but one that just works so well together. Yeah, they definitely feel in sync. It doesn't feel like in some movies of this age, I know that they sort of have that joke of, oh, my wife's a witch and I don't know why I ever got married. I'm yeah. trapped forever. That was sort of a very big thing in the 80s and 90s. But yeah. it's almost the opposite here where all they want to do is get away from everyone and just have their little sort of yeah, slice just, of life together. They yeah. don't. And just they're be with happy. each other and it's really nice. Yeah, exactly. They're happy keeping company away and just enjoying each other's time, yeah. which is really, really refreshing in a way. Yeah, and nicely contrasted with the other couple. Lydia's parents? Yeah, Lydia's parents. So Charles Dietz and Delia Dietz, who just seem like they hate each other, honestly. Or only just, hate toler- each other. only just tolerate each other. I feel like that was, well, especially with Ch- uh, Delia, it feels like she only just tolerates it, Charles. Well, because, I mean, this was even, in fact, something that we brought up while we were watching the film, yeah. that we got about halfway through, we were like, is Delia Lydia's mum? Or yeah. And then, literally five seconds later, Lydia's character goes, stepmom. And we were mm. like, oh, okay, question answered. And you very much get that vibe of, he married her because she's, like, a famous sculptor, yeah. and she married him because he's super rich. Mm. And doesn't really care about Lydia so much as it's just, oh, and I have this child and she's so upset because something happened to she her mother. It's never really like explained me. in the yeah. movie. Yeah. Yeah. What I really do like is that Delia feels like a bit of a happiness sponge as well. 
but in a way that it adds further depth to the story, but also it's not in a way that seems accidental. It seems all very intentional that Delia is just profoundly unlikable and intentionally unlikable. Talking about intentionally unlikable characters. Yes. I really quickly want to ask you, what's your opinion of showing people eating on screen? Oh, right. (laughs) Because I brought this up with you while we watched it. I do not... And I I, thought it was very, very cute. I really don't like to see people eat on screen. That's a personal thing. If you and the audience feel the same way, feel free to let me know. Feel free to validate my hatred of seeing people eat on screen but I also have a belief that it's really not a good idea to depict people eating on screen because if you do you're gonna isolate them as a villain for no other reason than because you saw them eat and also because when on screen people forget how to eat when you start rolling people forget how to eat and they'll eat in a way that feels natural to them but it'll come off as disgusting or unnatural and it's super annoying for the audience, probably super annoying for the actor too. So if you have someone eating on screen, don't show it. I think that's super simple. Yeah, we were actually having a bit of a debate about this because evidently the parents are supposed, well Lydia's parents I should say, are supposed to be unlikable to a certain extent because they are in fact our main antagonists of the movie. Yeah. And they show primarily the father eating on screen. Yeah. And it's exactly when you're like, oh, I hate it. It makes people inherently, and I was like, like, inherently dislike the character because eating always looks weird. And I immediately came back with, well, yeah, but what if that's intentional because these protect, like, the antagonists, they're the antagonists. They're supposed to be rich and annoying, annoying. for lack of a better word. Well, here's the thing the eating on screen thing is very much the Denethor kind of effect, and that's what I'm going to term it as. And this is something I want to start doing. I'm just going to start coining terms, but this is the Denethor effect in which... So Denethor, from Lord of the Rings, Faramir and Boromir's father, there is a scene in that film in which he eats on screen and it's horrifically disgusting. And as a result, I have never been able to watch anyone eat on screen without thinking they're a villain. Even for just like a few seconds and then back to, oh, they're the protagonist or whatever. But that's what I'm going to coin it as, the Denethor effect. If you see a character eating on screen, you immediately have a dislike to them. Huh. And yeah. Well, that's what I'm calling it. It's not an actual Yeah, no, no, no. No, I completely agree with you. I'm just... Yeah. I was a little bit lost for a second there, and then you said Lord of the Rings, and we were back on track, and then I was just contemplating. (laughs) Yeah. Moving on from that, the eating on screen, because we've got plenty of other things to talk about, I think Lydia is a really nice rounding out of the dynamic between the couple of Barbara and Adam, because... Between re- the living and the dead. <laughs> yeah, that too, but like she also fills out this need within Barbara and Adam's relationship where there is almost a mediator within them who can allow them to aim a little higher than what they already have and pursue a life beyond just living in their little space. And I find that really, really nice. And also, Winona Ryder as Lydia, she's really good in this and I find her character really, really likeable as well. I didn't even recognise her as Winona Ryder until yeah. you pointed it out as well. Yeah. I think that's a little bit to do with the costuming, but also just the yeah, general absolutely. vibe of Lydia truly gives off dark, yeah, dark and macabre teenager, you know, mm, in absolutely. such an endearing way. Like, I think we were talking last week about how I'm 16 and this is deep was like yeah. a very annoying thing. Whereas in this film, it very much leads to our inherent love of Lydia as a character because like, yeah... Be goth. 
feel dark and edgy. We yeah. got you, you know? It's very, she's very, it's easy to endear to her, which makes it believable that the couple would endear to her so quickly. Yeah, absolutely. And underneath her whole dark kind of brooding persona, she still has this kindness to her with the couple, Barbara and Adam. They, she has this clear compassion and I find that really helps make her more and more endearing. And in terms of character writing, that's super good. I think you can't go too far wrong with that. Uh, I think Winona does a really good job in her role for sure. And I think all the actors are great, but with all that said, there is still one that we haven't talked about. No, I don't think there is. I think we got all of them. Are you sure? Mm, pretty sure. We should probably mention him. Mm. I don't know, saying his name out loud has dark and dire consequences. <laughs> I think, though, the joke is funny that we try not to say his name. If we're going to go through this entire review without saying Beetlejuice, which we have <laughs> said admit- admittedly a few times. Oh, we've but, already said it a couple yeah. times, but... We should we should talk about him first of all. Michael Keaton fucking fucking smashes this role. I think he is so good as the titular, not even like antagonist necessarily, but he is a thorn in the side of both sides and both families. In that he is annoying for for Barbara and Adam, and then for the oh God, I keep forgetting their last name. For the Dietzes, he is a ghost that could kill them basically. So he is a threatening ghost to them. And I find his character so fun to watch on screen. And I feel bad that he d- isn't given more time on screen because he just chews up that, chews up this any scene that he's in. And I think that's super fun. And sure, though he's a little bit of a sex pest, for sure, there's no denying that. I think the film also plays off on that quite well in that he's very easy to distract too. And as yeah, a result... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, as a result, he's not a complete nightmare to all the female characters on screen and the film can go on and continue without him being a bit of a pest all the time. Look, I think one of my favourite parts of this is how I know that we've said this in a couple reviews I think it's one of the things we always bring up when we really like an actor, but how unrecognisable he is as Beetlejuice. It may just be of course the makeup and such but also the way that he bodies him it really does give almost cartoon vibes and he's a real person in this there's very little moments where he as a character is animated yeah and what i find especially interesting is that michael keaton went on to be batman a year later and he still manages to take both of these roles and completely kill both of them and do them perfectly but i don't think anyone's going to deny that beetlejuice is one of his most famous roles and i think it's because Mm -hmm. it is so different and so unique and generally so easy to like as well even though he's a bit creepy he's still very funny and then he also has this really great negative chemistry with adam and barbara in the scenes that they're in where he's kind of he's trying to make them like him but then he's also angry with when they put him away and get him out of the way he's sort of half expecting them to release him and so he's trying to play nice because they're his ticket out but he's also so incredibly frustrated because they're also half of the reason that he's trapped in this tiny little town yeah and i also (laughs) love that he's like even all the while still doing his own thing and very much being a menace yeah being a menace wherever he can be but then also like chewing up the scenery and in this tiny little model town 
he's just like wandering about being a ultimately just being a dickhead <laughs> and yeah, anno- much. annoying who he can while he can without trying without burning any bridges if you've ever seen a drunk lad walking around <laughs> after he's been out on the pubs all night and he yeah. thinks he's the suavest shit that you've ever seen mm. but in fact he is just incredibly annoying and incredibly drunk that is that is the vibe <laughs> yeah yeah no absolutely but with with the talk of the uh, model town i wanted to quickly give a bit of praise to the production design of this film as well because the model town looks incredible especially when they like drop down into it and it becomes almost a full-scale town but it still it looks very even, much fake yeah exactly it even would have had to be a set yeah it and was a set, set yeah looks exactly like you would expect yeah but it's, it's model town to look it looks so good it's something about the ratio of the houses that makes mm. you think that the characters have been turned small rather than the houses been turned big. Yeah. That's just such good attention to detail in this film yeah, with absolutely. a lot of the sets. If we're going to praise the practical design of this film, we should mention at the very least that definitely the CGI hasn't aged well and it wasn't going to. This film was made in the late 80s. It's CG is not going to be solid. But, yeah, exactly. But as a counter to that, the practical effects are impeccable. I think they're so good. Mm-hmm. They, With the animated practical effects, they're always stop-motion animation, and as a result, they still look slightly better than they would if they were just purely CG. And it's as also a result, because of the stylization. They didn't yeah, try absolutely. and make all of the CGI or stop motion effects look realistic. They yeah. definitely just went for, this is a ghost cartoony type. We can do what we want, which is incredibly great. Like, yeah. it really, really helped their case. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I think the fact that it uses stop motion also allows it to have absolutely aged better than other films of the time with that use CG. I think, like, The Sandworm, I think The Sandworm still looks really good despite having very clear computer graphics lines and be- having been superimposed in. The Sandworm still looks great. Yeah, and, I really love The Sandworm. Yeah, and it, it provides a really nice way of providing scale to a creature that in this world is so much bigger than all the other characters while also actually being just a small puppet a small little yeah worm. basically <laughs> i checked out a behind the scenes picture and it's it's no bigger than a large banana basically what an odd frame of reference i will, I, I, I guess like a loaf of bread it's about the size of a loaf of bread americans will use anything with the metric system I'm not American, though. I know, I'm aware. But you're giving off big anything. Big American vibes. Well, if I say it's larger than 40 centimeters, then people are going to be like, what's 40 centimeters? And they'll pull out a ruler. A loaf of bread can also be a People have seen bread. They can imagine bread, and that works for me. Um, (laughs) But quickly move on from bread and move on to music so the soundtrack was composed by danny elfman a i love the music in this film yeah a favorite composer of tim burton but danny elfman really does a great job on this film i think the music and the soundtrack definitely doesn't take itself too seriously at any point in this film yeah this movie almost comes off 
camp in a way yeah where it's definitely upping the ante for the fact of having fun it's not taking itself too seriously and everything that it does is very much spooky rather than actually trying to be scary which definitely works in its favor yeah it really in terms of the soundtrack it really works for Beetlejuice and it for a film that never takes itself too seriously the soundtrack doesn't take itself seriously at all and it plays perfectly into the subject and the lines of the film so that there is never really a dull moment and there is definitely never really a dark moment in the film yeah there's only a couple that are truly dark and it's usually whenever there isn't music and then when the music comes back in it helps pull us away from that dark feeling and back into the zany antics of beetlejuice and his annoyed gang (laughs) Gang, yeah pretty much and i think it really spurs energy into the audience in a way that really really works and of course the film does that in its own way but the music definitely really boosts that to a incredible effect it's one of those films where if we had been of the age to go and see it in a cinema Mm. it would have been those movies that you leave and you're like i'm ready to fight god like it's definitely got like a very energizing soundtrack (laughs) you come out of it you're a little bit dancey you're a little bit ready to just jive and i love those types of movies the best feeling is when you walk out of a movie and you're like yeah let's go let's do something i'm zazzed yeah absolutely i do kind of want to just momentarily bring up makeup and costume design as well just as a quick little like closing out for everything that's really great about this film costume design is really really fun it's like really really fun in a way that i don't think a lot of costume design is in that beetlejuice's outfits are just great personally i think they Mm -hmm. they help with his character and they really help allow his character to chew up scenery and then other characters like Delia. Delia is never one to be modest about clothing and as a result she always stands out like a sore thumb and then in more subtle ways such as like Lydia's clothing and costumes and then and then Barbara's clothing it all really kind of meshes really well to create a world that is supernatural but then also still quite inviting for an audience to look at yeah it's amazing and dare I say that the striped suit the large black and white stripes on a suit have become iconic to the point where you see people just putting that down and immediately thinking Beetlejuice if you put the lime green color with it. Yeah, absolutely. Which is amazing. Yeah, it's it's a really it's a really interesting way to make something so iconic, and it wouldn't be iconic without the costume design. Exactly. Yeah, I just wanted to quickly touch on makeup because some of the prosthetic work is really just so cool, such as the the um, ghost morphs. And the ghost face morphs, especially. Yeah, when they sort of pull out their face and get multiple eyes and things to make themselves look spookier. Yeah, and it it holds up to this day and additionally is also iconic as a visualization Mm -hmm. of what this film is. And I can't find a single fault in it. I think during this era, late 80s to early 90s, I think a lot of makeup and prosthetic work really hit its peak. And I don't think we do enough of that anymore which is really disappointing because it's just such a cool way and such an interesting way of making something it looks awesome and it's dang fun yeah and it really makes 
it feel more real and more viscerally there. Exactly. And I mean, even when Beetlejuice nowadays is reviewed, it's met with mostly positive reviews. You know, it's got an 85% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, it's still quite well liked. And it usually gets, like, just above 7 out of 10. Like, 7.5 out of 10 is, like, an average or something. It is a... Yeah, it is a film that is really hard to criticise. Mm-hmm. It's a really good film. It's got all of the parts that you need to be Mm. fun and iconic and memorable, which really, isn't that what you want, is for your film to have come out in 1988 and it still be incredibly iconic years later? Yeah, absolutely. But with that said, we should probably start to wrap up. What do you think about... What What are your final thoughts for this film? My final thoughts for this film is I do think that it's slightly fast-paced upon yeah. a review. I've always loved it. I've never had an issue with pacing until I was writing notes. And I was like, wait, hang on. We're already at this scene? What's happening? Where am yeah. I? And I think that's just due to the nature that there are a bit of weird time dilation where they're gone for a scene, but it's been three months and it just makes it a little hard to follow along. But it still really, really holds up several years later. So the pacing isn't that big of an issue. Yeah, for context, this film is 92 minutes long, and it's a very quick 92 minutes. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I I completely agree with you. So incredibly refreshing to watch a film that is like 90 minutes. (laughs) But for this, I want to... So, we'll give it a rating scale. I would usually ask you, what do you give it on a on a rating first? Because that is ultimately far more polite. But this week, I'm going to start in that I... For me, I gave it a 7 out of 10 Beetle. This film is a lot of fun, and despite some parts truly showing their age, like the CGI and the humour around suicide, the film continues to be one of Burton's best work. What did you give it? I gave it a 9 out of 10 geese. Classic, iconic, nostalgic. The CGI mostly holds up over time, and it's still fun despite some of the more off-colour jokes. Do you want me to say that again and actually say goose? <laughs> no, you're good. No, you're, de- you're definitely free to say geese. Look, it's the plural of goose. I gotta, or I'm gonna start saying gooses. But with all that said, that was our review for this week. Our review of Beetlejuice. I almost said Beetle Geese. Um, Heck yeah, you did. We definitely recommend that you watch this film if you want to watch it and then move on to our in-depth discussion where we will t- be talking more generally about a lot of the points and looking more in-depth at a greater deal of things that we liked and maybe didn't like, then definitely go check it out. This week's Pointless Research, I'm actually talking about a single reference that started something far, far greater within this film. So be sure to check it out. I'm super excited for your uh, Pointless (laughs) Research. But if you want to get in contact with us on Twitter, I am at Inc, and Monique is at Nexatai. On Instagram... I am at Will underscore Mortlock and Monique is also at Nexatai. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter respectively. I know that I am more active on Twitter. I like to give hint refreshes and we're going to start doing polls soon. And Will is definitely on Instagram giving little sneak peeks and uh, sometimes short snippets of episodes that we think are especially funny. Feel free to reach out to us. We love to hear feedback and love to hear what you think. But with all that said, we'll see you next week.